A reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Keep singing. And just put that in your head. He's a good, good father. It's who he is and it's who we are because of him. Sing that as a prayer, if you would. And with that just ringing in the background, let's keep playing that. But would you do me a favor this morning? Find somebody. Um, that you don't know and with all COVID protocols in place keep your masks on but just find someone you don't know and go offer the hospitality of, of an introduction go tell somebody who you are go me just mix around I'll give you a couple minutes go ahead find somebody find somebody we, I know we have visitors here from Barnesville Ohio anyone who finds them gets a prize this morning so. seated in his presence as soon as you find your seat again. I love that it takes a while to uh, to break off those new conversations with somebody you just met. Hey, just take a second right now and recall the name. Put it in your brain. Recall the name of somebody new you met just now so that you can greet them again after the service. If you're like me, those names come and they go fast, right? At the first, at first. So just, just imprint that on your brain this morning. Let's pray together. 
Father, what a great text of Scripture we have in front of us today. The first letter of the Apostle Peter, uh, where he describes something of such import that we offer to one another that it can actually change our communities, change our lives, change our relationships, and usher us into the kingdom of God. And we thank you today that uh, you have provided people around this building uh, behind cameras, behind TV screens, at the greeters tables, in the worship team, and now even with each other who have just practiced what it is to offer hospitality in a fraught time of life. So we thank you that we have endless opportunities to practice what you would have us get really good at, profoundly good at, as we offer hospitality to one another. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all the Lord's people said... Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Great, great. You know, the, the lyrics of Good, Good Father are going to come up later in this message. You'll, you'll see it. Um, but we're looking this fall in our fall series at, at the one another's of the New Testament. So far, we've um, had teach one another, bear one another's burdens, serve one another, accept one another. And our one another this morning to practice is drawn from 1 Peter 4 that Judy just read. And verse 9 is actually our title, the first half of verse 9. And I want to I don't think you're going to see slides on your screen at home or here. So open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Do that at home, if you would. And do that here and follow along. There'll be some other scriptures too. So might do some rapid flipping through our phones and our Bibles this morning. That's okay. But uh, at home, make sure you've got your Bible there in front of you. 1 Peter, the first part of verse 9, here's our title. Offer hospitality to one another. I didn't have to make up a title this morning. It was right there in front of me, and it's right there in front of you. Now, you may be thinking that, of course, hospitality in the time of COVID is, it may even seem a little bit ill-conceived at times. And I was reminded of this reading a meme online just this week that said, and here's what the meme said, two people talking to each other. Oh my God, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get the vaccine? You're going to go back home, wait a month, get your second shot, go back home, wait 14 days for antibodies, keep wearing a mask and social distancing until community transmission is reduced, and then you get your booster and you wait 14 days. That's what you're going to do. And it's hard to conceive, well, what does hospitality look like in a time like this? Well, we just actually practiced in this setting, and I think we'll find ways we can practice hospitality in all of our settings in such a time. It, th these are anxious times. What do we do in anxious times when people are divided and life itself can even be at risk? What do we do in terms of hospitality? Now, when it comes to division, I noticed many comments in our flavor groups this week, and I'm so excited, by the way, if you've been part of our flavor groups this week or in the past uh, time in the summer, you are uh, invited to, to be with us at the end of service. We're going to spend some great time in a workshop together after this. We'll be setting up about 20 minutes after service. But I was reminded as I read over the comments this week that so many people talked about the importance of meeting together with people who are not like you, across the table, sharing meals, sharing lives together. And this is true, but Peter is going to take us to a place this morning in the text that Judy read that is even bigger than that. That's kind of our default. It's great, it's true, but it gets even bigger. The Apostle Peter is writing to a frightened group of churches who are suffering greatly. They would be in modern-day Turkey. They're in northern Asia Minor. And he proposes something for these churches in, in a time of suffering, local persecution that's going on. He proposes something of matchless value for anxious times by lifting up 
hospitality among the followers of Christ. He even says that it, it's a go-to tool for reconciliation, for thriving. So this morning, in a slightly unconventional approach, um, I, I want to emphasize four pairs of things, four pairs of things that emerge from this text that we ought to internalize about hospitality in order to, hospitality, in order to think bigger and, and uh, encounter these times and thrive in these times. So here we go. Here's our first pair. And it's this, that hospitality is both urgent and costly. Somebody say urgent. Somebody say costly. Both urgent and costly. Now, a sense of urgency, open your Bibles, 1 Peter 4, a sense of urgency excite, ignites this text in verse 7. Here the Apostle Peter, again, is writing his first letter to these churches that are suffering under persecution, and he gives it this sense of perspective, especially when it comes to time. And this, is, this really raises the bar. Look at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Wow. Wow. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you might pray. Now, church, this is a frequent New Testament message that this Jesus who died and was raised and ascended into heaven is going to return again one day soon to restore and redeem and reconcile fallen creation. And knowing this, Peter says, ought to prompt an urgent response in us. Keeping in mind that life may well be short, we learned that one of Peter's highest priorities, this is Peter, the apostle Peter, the rock of the church, the head of the new church, the, the first head after Jesus of the church, Peter, one of his highest priorities, Grace City, is to live a life of love expressed toward one another in what? Hospitality. And you might say, well, they didn't know, and we don't know when Jesus will return, so maybe this doesn't apply, but it simply doesn't matter what we know or don't know. It's as if Peter has been asked the question, and I want you to imagine that you've been asked the question this morning. Let's say, Bob, you have a year to live. Kathy, you have three months to live. What are the things that you should make on your bucket list? What are the highest priorities? If you only have a year to live, what do you want to make sure to do? And the answer for the church, Peter says, still is this. At the very top of your bucket list as a church, offer hospitality to one another. Imagine that. So in Peter's mind, directed by the Holy Spirit, hospitality is among the most urgent of things for a follower of Christ to offer one another. And like many urgent things in life, right, it's also costly. It's also costly. Look again at verses 7 to 9. I, and as, as I read through this, I think of... Uh, the time my um, middle daughter was having her first child, my first grandchild, and we get to the hospital before the baby's born, before Luca's born, and, and I'm in the hallway, and I can hear uh, my daughter Sarah, I can hear her actually suffering. I hear the sounds of suffering in labor, and, uh, and I'm just kind of a wreck. It's my daughter, first grand, you know, just all that stuff going on, and um, this is seven years ago now, and uh, I remember her nurse going in and out of the room, and finally she looked at me and said, Hun, you don't look like you're doing too well. And I said, oh, I'm just worried. I'm sorry, you know, my daughter, and, she, and I hear that suffering. And she, I hear her suffering. And she says, Hun, we don't call this suffering. We call it labor. Now, there's a difference between labor and suffering. Labor brings fruit. Suffering is just suffering. We call it labor. Then I notice on her name tag that her first name is Comfort. And I think, okay, I, I totally get it. Totally get it. Do you see here in verses 7 to 9 at home and here, do you see that hospitality is going to engage our head, 
and our heart and our hands. Let me unpack that for you. In verse 7, we have to get our heads around this urgent reality. So he says, the end of things is near, so, so be of sober mind. Mind. And sober-mindedness will lead us to God in prayer. And then in verse 8, it prompts a changed heart. We are to have a heart full of love one another. So now, with our heads in, in the right place, our hearts in the right place, the godly place, we are now to employ hands-on hospitality in God's service. Verse 9, offer hospitality. And this is our labor. This is what produces fruit. It's actually hard work, but it produces great fruit. So as verse 9 ends, watch this, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Somebody say without grumbling. Somebody say ouch, because we're pretty good grumblers when it comes to hospitality. I mean, do you think Peter knew something about the difficulty of hospitality here? It's labor, church, because some people are going to be ungrateful. Some people are going to be very difficult to be with, right? Right? It's hard work. Listen, people are like the infrastructure of a home. Some are radiators, some are drains, okay? What we discover about the cost of hospitality lies in the grumbling we do about those who drain us, and then the implied corollary is the virtue we claim by extending hospitality to those we love and find easy to be with. Neither of these is a godly response. Church, like all love and service in God's economy, hospitality will be costly. And the Good Samaritan is the, is the go-to model for this. If you don't know the story, here it is. Um, uh, a man is beaten and mugged and left for dead on the side of the road. Two religious people pass by. They just pass him by. They pay no attention. A Samaritan who is hated in that community, hated in that culture, comes by. This is a Jewish person. The Samaritan should have nothing to do with him according to culture. He picks him up. He binds his wounds, gives him everything he needs, puts him on his back, carries him to the inn, pays for everything needed to, to begin the healing process, and then essentially leaves a blank check to pay for any other services that are needed for this person. And this is hospitality, Jesus says. Jesus says, who is the neighbor here? And the person says, well, it's got to be that guy. It's got to be that Samaritan. And Jesus says this, are you ready? Go and do likewise. Ouch. It's labor. It's both urgent and it's costly. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't have boundaries. That's a whole nother talk we can have with our therapist here. We must be wise. But today's text shows us the immense value, the profound value of hospitality. So be prepared for the urgency and the cost. Amen? Now let's find out why. The second pair is this. Hospitality is both a need we all have and an asset we all must give. It's a need and a virtue, a need and an asset. Now, you may have heard the old definition, hospitality is making people feel at home when you wish they were at home, their home. But here's the defined flip of that joke, Corey. Are you guys ready? Hospitality is making people feel at home in a place that isn't their home. And all of us need this. Why? Every follower of Christ needs hospitality because each of us, church, is in reality an exile, a foreigner, a refugee. Peter in chapter 2, just two chapters earlier, just about 500 words before this, he says this in, in chapter 2, verse 11. Peter says, you are foreigners and exiles. And then he tells them how to live for the Lord's sake under every human authority. That's a whole other sermon. But church, he expects that we will never 
followers of Christ will never be fully at home on this side of heaven in the world as we know it now. So as fellow exiles, look around the room for a minute, really spin your head around. Just say these words, fellow exiles, I got you. As citizens of heaven first, we must make our home with one another in a shared life together. This is hospitality. You'll hear it on the streets of Baltimore if you ever walk with the WRS group uh, that is growing and expanding in so many ways. It's great. But you'll hear this chant often. We all we got. We all we got. We all we got. Just say that with me on three. One, two, three. It's a little louder and, and more in unison on the street, but I'll let it go this time. This is the message of the New Testament for followers of Christ. That we cannot live and thrive here on our own. We got each other. And hospitality with those who look like us, that's nice. But it's not a virtue that speaks of heaven. Why? Because anyone can do that. That's not a heavenly thing. We need the whole community of Christ with all its diversity, all its difference. We're, we're all foreigners on this side of heaven. And it's our community with one another that sustains us here. And if that sounds out of reach, let me suggest you join a small group right here in Baltimore. Raise your hand if you're part of a small group. Just look, that's, that's about a third. It really needs to be all of us. Why? This is what we're after. It's this kind of hospitality. Think of our many groups around Great City that you've heard about. Women's and men group and youth groups and sharp kids and neighborhood groups. All meeting together, doing life together, sharing meals together, sharing highs and lows together, hearing from God's word together, praying together. And I, I have to ask, how many people in Baltimore ever get an experience of hospitality like that? But you have it at your fingertips. Some of you find that, th that the, the meal you share with your small group this week is the only meal you'll share with anyone this week. Because we live such isolated lives. And to so many people, these small groups are a lifeline for living in the city. There's no better way, no better frontline way to sustain and thrive in the city of Baltimore. They will make our, our life as an exile more possible, more plausible on this side of heaven. This is our home away from home after all. Well, that's one side, but let me flip the hospitality coin over. We all need it, but it's also, Peter calls us, it's also an asset that we must share, a heavenly asset that we must practice. Peter writes this, offer hospitality to one another, that's our title, and it's an instruction you will find elsewhere in the New Testament in different ways. It's not just a fringe hobby for extroverts. Raise your hand if you're an introvert. No, you never will because introverts don't raise hands. It's an, aspect, it's an aspect of discipleship for the whole church, for the whole people of God. Just look at the life and teaching of Jesus. Think about the stories of Jesus for a moment. He's always feeding people. He's always eating with people or telling stories about feasts and banquets and eating with people, parables. He's always talking about where people can be at home in a place that's not their home. Let me say it again. He's talking about where people can be at home in a place that's not their home. And some of his strongest rebukes, somebody say ouch just ahead of time and you can prepare yourself. Say ouch. Some of his strongest rebukes, Corey, were against those who failed hospitality. The parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, read it when you're feeling strong. Read it in the morning, not at night before you go to bed. It's about the division of those who are obedient to Jesus and those who are not, and the presenting issue is hospitality. 
He says this. Look at verses 35 and 36 in Matthew 25. In that, he says, do you feed the hungry? Do you give water to the thirsty? Do you give clothes to those without? Do you visit those in prison? And Jesus closes with this. What you do for the least of his people, you do for him. Ouch. And then he says a, a few verses later, what you don't do for the least of his people, you don't do for him. Jesus takes hospitality very seriously. For him, it is an indispensable mark of any who would follow him. Indispensable. Now, Christ followers like me are pretty good at praying this on moving day. When you move to Baltimore, when you move out of Baltimore, we're pretty good at praying this. God, help me to find others with whom I can belong. How many have ever prayed something like that? I'm moving, I'm going, help me find a community that I can just move in. That's great. But the flip side of that prayer here is this. And it's one I'm not so good at. And perhaps all of us could pray this day as you look around the room. And here it is. God, help me to find others to whom I can offer the gift of belonging to me. That changes the community. Spin your head around the room again. And just ask God to, to give you people whom you can offer the gift of belonging. Hospitality, church, is a need we all have. It's an asset we're all called to practice. And that takes us to the third pair. Are you ready? Hospitality lives both inside and outside. Inside and outside our home and in every other way. So stay with me. Inside and outside. All too often, Grace City, we, we, we conceive of hospitality as an event in the home. And it can be. With all the bells and whistles and best ingredients and finest china. Anybody have china these days? I don't know. China? But, but Peter wants us to embrace hospitality in a more organic, consistent lifestyle sort of way and differentiate it from, from the way we would a tuxedo or formal gown from daily wear. For instance, it's not only about hosting, it even shows up in your guesting when you're a guest. Have you ever taken the dishwasher test? We do this at Mary Lou's house a lot with staff and elders. There's the dishwasher test, Corey, right? Where, where after a meal, if the host stops you from stacking plates in the dishwasher, you know you're a guest. And that's cool. That's all right. But if they allow you to keep stacking dishes in the dishwasher, you know you're a real friend, right? You're a part of the family. It's just what we do together. And that's a whole other dimension of, of hospitality. Look at verse 10 in 1 Peter 4. Offer hospitality, and when you do, Verse 10, use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. See, I think Peter is saying something, Corey often says, don't hoard this for yourself. Pour gas on this. The gifts, the, the resources, the time, all the things that God has gifted you with, pour gas on that and give it all away. What gift do you have? What circumstance, what chaos even do you live in that you can offer in love to one another? People love being part of each other's chaos because it says I'm not the only one with chaos. Some of our best memories for Sue and I and our family come from the most chaotic circumstances in our, in our 40 plus years together, both in what we offered and in what we received. In conditions that you might think hospitality could not be done any worse, God showed up and made it the best memory. I remember when we were first married, we were living in Boston. I was in seminary. She was directing a Head Start, yeah, Head Start Center. And, and we were uh, friends with a couple that had put a, a foster home together of kids out of gangs. They had 12 kids living in that house. It was all they were allowed. They'd have had 100 if they could have. 
and there were times they needed respite to go away. And guess who got elected to go in and parent the house? Well, Sue and I, we're thrilled to do it. I remember our first night there, we get, and, and it's all going great. We're feeding, and I have 12 kids out of game. And then at 1 a.m., we get a call that several of them are in the police station under arrest. And we go, holy, wow. It was chaotic. But the hospitality that showed up that we received from those kids, from that situation, from the chaos of it, was profound. It's a memory I'll never forget. Because it's strangers becoming friends, right? It's even becoming family. And, and we really became family with those kids over the years. It's not impressing one another. It's doing real life together. That's what we got to take away from hospitality. Take away the impressing and do life because, Grace City, hospitality is more than about having people in your home. It's about having people in your life. Inside, sure. Outside, especially, maybe. Hospitality assumes meeting in some shared space. But the space doesn't need to be your home. There's lots of circumstances why hosting in your home might be difficult. That's fine. It might even be impossible. But corporately, as a church... We all have the honor and responsibility to offer hospitality in the shared spaces we have, like this, for all who greet and welcome here every week and make newcomers feel at home in this rented space. We're so grateful for all of you who have done that through the years and are doing it now. That's hospitality on the front end. It's a tremendous ministry, and we very much need more of you to step into that opportunity when you can. We can't go without that greeting and that embrace, that, that, that COVID-appropriate embrace. How? Without grumbling. Without grumbling. To step into that without grumbling. There are all manners of ways of being hospitable in our shared life together, all of which lead to reconciliation. It's Sharp Kids, the Good Neighbor Collective, mentoring, co-hosting a small group, online events, Children's ministry right down the hall. It's family service this week, but, but there's a children's ministry that goes on in there that a kid would, would just be blessed by your hospitality to them once a month or so. In the neighborhoods with We Are Us, where, 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 you know, when you go into a, a difficult neighborhood where violence and drugs is, is pretty much right on the surface, and you walk in with 100 men, right, Scott? And you walk in, and one of the things we get oriented to is you don't walk in looking serious. You walk in with your arms out. You even might pull your mask down at first now that we're in COVID just so people can see smiles on your face. And what, what, then at, at a certain point with everybody chattering and saying hello, it's not a threat anymore. It becomes a block party. It becomes, I mean, we can stay there for, for hours, really, because people are like, you're here just to be with us, to share lives together. This is particularly relevant to a church like Grace City, isn't it? Because we don't yet spend resources on permanent spaces, we depend upon the creative hospitality of our family, of our membership. And it can thrive even in the era of COVID. It can. Because we have to be creative. We've had to be creative in our entire history. What's to change now? Let's keep, continue that creativity. And even be more so in the challenges that are ahead. And we do so, of course, for the sake of the gospel. And that leads to the final pair. Here it is. Hospitality is God's work now and forever, already and not yet, here and on the other side of heaven. Listen, nothing I've said in this sermon so far this morning is in the realm of something we must try harder to do, Ernesto. This is not about trying harder. 
Can you wipe that? It's hard for human beings to wipe that up, but it's not about that. Within this context of, person, of hospitality, Peter writes this in verse 11. Take a look. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. This is a God thing. This is God's work, empowered by God's strength, resulting in God's praise. So there's no room here to take pride in ourselves or how good we are for how good we are in this realm of hospitality. Nor is there any room to be burdened by the call to hospitality to one another. So do it without grumbling, because it's not about us, it's about him. So let's simply ask this morning, Corey, how can we do the work of making strangers into friends? How can we make others at home in a place that isn't their home? And of course, this mirrors what the Lord has done for you and me and what we're about to celebrate in the Lord's Supper. Look back into Genesis where his love flows into creation and he makes a place for his creation. We call it the garden. A garden for all of us to be and live and thrive and be at home and reconciled in all our differences. A place to be at home. That's hospitality at its best. this, This is God. He's a good, good father, Paula. It's who he is. All of creation is good, except what? Uh, the only not good of creation, what is it? Aloneness. It's the only not good. It's good, it's good, it's good. It's not good that you be alone. This is what community comes in, where we share as citizens heaven, and we are agents with each other to repair aloneness, which is still not good. We're agents of repair. Grace City, this is us. It's not only who God is, it's who we are. We just sang it. Peter's saying, don't take hospitality lightly. It's not confined to entertainment. Can we just get rid of that? It can be entertainment, but it's not confined to entertainment. It's about doing the one another's. Do the one another's. Paul writes of this vibe. It's our very best evangelistic approach. He writes to the church at Thessalonica. Um, You can look it up if you want, but just listen. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. That's the best evangelism I've ever heard. What a formula. Henry Nouwen said it this way. Donna, you're going to love this. Henry Nouwen said, Hospitality is not offered to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. Let me say it again. Hospitality is not offered to change people. It's offered to, to create a space where change can take place. He goes on. It's not, it's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom undisturbed by dividing lines. That's church. In God's economy, sharing the gospel goes hand in hand with sharing our lives. It was the genius of young life that, that brought me to, to Christ as a, as a high school kid, where they came to me, they, sh- they, they showed interest in my sports and my events and my academics, and they always showed up, so of course I showed up with them. They, they invited me to, to camp. I said, I'm going. You guys are great. Listen, if you want folks to come with you to church next week or in a month or for Christmas, go to their things this week. Go hang out with their things. Go be with them. And they'll come with you because you show that kind of interest. As the worship team comes up, here's the last thing I want to share with you. It's not only about the now. It's about the future. It's about the not yet. It's about the other side of heaven. When we look forward, church, what do we look forward to? What do we see when we look ahead in our lives in Christ? Well, it's the heavenly city, right? It's the new Jerusalem. It's a world restored and made new. 
It's a place for exiles to be at home at last, finally, fully, forever. A new creation where we are, listen, where we're delighted to live together into eternity. Not so much because of the great place it will be. It, it will be. But more so because of the great company we will keep. Look around the room one more time for me. You're going to be able to spend eternity with these people. It's time to get to know them. There's a treasure in this room and in your neighborhoods and in the church at large around the world that you get to spend eternity with all of us together. And who else is going to be there? We are in the company of God himself. The voice from the heavenly throne declares in Revelation 21, verse 3, John Crooks, you'll know this well. You've got it memorized, I'm sure. Here's what the voice from heaven says. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Grace City, this is us. That should be a TV show. God's call to hospitality now is a foretaste of God's hospitality in heaven. The king, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God's people gathered, united in our diversity, delighting in his presence as we make our home with him and he with us. One day, look around again, one day, what a great reunion we're going to have in heaven. I can't wait to see you there. So I say with Peter, are you ready? The end of all things is near. I say it without apology. Let's live as if we got three months to live. What's the most important thing? Offer hospitality to one another. Offer it. So now let's, let's sing, come to the table, and, and we're preparing for his table. The ultimate act, Corey Barnes, the ultimate act of God's hospitality was Jesus' last supper, which we get to remember today. Come to the table. It's set for you. Let's sing it together. And listen, as you, as you do, just walk around, re-greet re somebody, even as you sing, and uh, let's make this a communion where we're really participating together, even in this fraught era of COVID. Uh, by the way, here's some lyrics you're going to sing. Come meet this mighty crew of misfits, exiles, foreigners, liars, thieves. No one is unwelcome here. I love that. Let's stand. Let's stand up and